You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. <laughs> it's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. Hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Fernando. Hi, Ben. And Travis Irvine. Hello, Ben. Crazy week. We had one. We're going to talk about it today on this episode. Hope everyone survived Election Madness 2021. We'll discuss what this means going forward, specifically in the context of the Democrats and Joe Biden, specifically when talking about the gubernatorial election that took place in Virginia. Youngkin defeats a man that many people thought was indefeatable, Terry McAuliffe. So we'll talk a little bit about what's going on in Virginia. It is not the only race that mattered in Virginia as well. There was a lieutenant governor race. Basically, the Republican Party took all three of the largest um, races. And it what does it mean going forward? We will discuss that. We will unpack a bit of that. Joe Biden, he came back from overseas today, and I don't know if he <laughs> loved what he saw. So we'll discuss what does what does that mean as well? The Democrats might not be too pleased with old Uncle Joe at this point, with the majority of them not wanting him to run for re-election, which is a uh, pretty bad sign. For the old man. So we'll talk a bit about that. We'll also discuss. uh, It would be funny if it wasn't so damn sad. QAnon supporters Mm. went to go uh, (laughs) went to Dallas. Technically, this is the second worst thing to happen in Dallas. The first being the Mavericks winning the NBA championship, of course. Um, (laughs) Yeah. JFK Jr. Apparently, he wanted to uh, go to the place where his father was killed. Oh, that's where he wanted to resurrect. <laughs> that's a great. Out. It's yeah. unbelievable. If I, all I know is if like my father's assassinated and I died, you know, 21, 22 <laughs> years ago, the place I'm going to show up is not the place where my dad died. I'll be find me at Margaritaville. There's a lot of memories there. Why would you want to go there? I you. know. <laughs> all right. But before we get to all of that, we're going to discuss a bit about democracy in action. And one of the greatest forms of direct democracy are ballot initiatives. So we will discuss some of the biggest ballot initiatives uh, that are sort of being forgotten about by, again, the large mainstream press. I also want to thank and I want to say congratulations to Sarah Luciano. This is a this is a top Woo! hat. Yay. This is a top hat gem. She decided to run for Banger School Board, the school committee. And she won. Congratulations, Sarah Luciano. And uh, her her Twitter posts are all like, this is I'm an introvert. This is a waking nightmare for me. But she (laughs) went out there. She did it. And we're just so proud of her for um, standing up for her values and standing up for what she believes is right. And putting her name in the ring, going out there and fighting the good fight. And unlike Travis and I, she won. So good for you, Sarah. We're so proud of you. And just another reminder, get involved and make a difference. Because if we don't, the world's going to go straight to where it is now. (laughs) All right. So let's discuss some of these ballot initiatives that uh, are always interesting when it comes to knowing the mood of the country. Let's start firstly when it comes to housing and homelessness. So in Minneapolis, they did say there was an initiative initially 
to defund the police. That was struck down. So that was about 56% no. And obviously the remaining people said, yes, let's defund the police. So it's a fairly large uh, victory for the not defund the police movement. They did do some good things when it comes to trying to eliminate the homeless crisis, which they found themselves in Uh, the tent city in Minneapolis. I drove by it and I was like, damn, that is a lot of people living there recently unhoused folks because rent as the man in New York City says himself, it's too damn high. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy because, McMillan. Absolutely. And because of that, people were forced again into uh, tent uh, cities that no doubt were not nearly as safe as they should be. Of course, the numbers of sexual assaults, you know, rapes and, uh, you know, violence, it'll happen in places like that. So question number three on the Minneapolis, Minnesota Election card was rent stabilization charter amendment. Rent stabilization is something near mm-hmm. and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. Anyone who lived in New York realizes that uh, rent is crazy and it can go up immensely right. from year to year. So as Minneapolis grapples with housing affordability, the city council would like to have a rent control as a tool. So the proposed city charter amendment would allow the city council to enact a rent control ordinance and regulate rents on private residential properties in the city. Brilliant. Although no specific proposal has yet been shared. Uh, a state law in 1984 actually prevents the council from enacting rent regulations without voters approval. Now, the authors of this amendment have emphasized that need for rent regulation is higher than ever, of course, because of COVID-19 and all of those things. So, Travis, uh, what do you think when it comes to this passing in Minnesota? I feel like this is one of those things we have to do if we want to eliminate um, the homeless crisis. Sure. I mean, this this was a big move forward for Minneapolis. And honestly, like you said, the ballot initiative process is so beautiful. It obviously differs from state to state, county to county, city to city. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is the most direct uh, way to get democratically involved, to get issues you want on the ballot and put them uh, forth to everyone who's voting that year. Um, Obviously, the other thing uh, my eyeballs were on in Minneapolis um, was the uh, the moving of funds from the police department to a safety, uh, more of a safety department. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so um, that did not pass. Um, so that did you know, not pass. Yeah. And that was kind of, I think, as we'll get into for the rest of the show, that was kind of the mood of this election. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, a couple of steps forward in some places, a couple of steps back in others. And uh, Minneapolis seems to be one of those swing states that still has both either way. Yeah, and I think the city has been reeling, uh, obviously, ever since the death of George Floyd. And maybe at this point, people didn't feel comfortable uh, defunding or eliminating the police and sort of reimagining policing. Hopefully, they can take some of the lessons that we all learned and are continuing to learn when it comes to criminal justice reform, implement those into the police precinct Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. into the police department there in Minnesota. And hopefully they can make some changes from within. But as we know, that is extremely difficult to do with the blue wall of silence that uh, screams very loudly. Exactly. Um, I was reading on this ballot initiative that the critics were saying that it was too vague, that that was their, right. their criticism of it. And I think when you talk about police, defund the police, the statement's very vague, but it's uh, it, there's a reason for it. Because it's so systematic that you have to, you can't just say, oh, we have to do this specific thing with police because that doesn't that doesn't solve the issue. Well, and, hopefully community yeah. policing and getting officers who belong to the residents that that I think yes. is so important, no, you know, yeah. because in Minneapolis, the vast majority of officers don't live in Minneapolis. Mm. And I feel like once you do that, you start to see people as other you don't you're not a part of their community. And when you're traveling in, going to work and then traveling out, it just I just think instinctively makes it more difficult to relate to your constituents and to the people that you're policing. If you just kind of dip your toe in, you see the worst of the worst and then get out. And so maybe you don't have the uh, bonding ties of seeing someone who may have just done something stupid and drunk, but maybe you you didn't see him three days before helping somebody, you know, across the street when they weren't blackout drunk, you know, because please do. When they interact with someone, someone, it's usually not like the peak performance for that person. 
And how do we get people living in where they work? We do use things like rent control. Absolutely. So that rent prices aren't so exorbitant that they have to live out of the where they live or they can afford to live. You know, it's all related. It's Good. all very related. Great point. And in St. Paul, Minnesota, there was also a residential rent stabilization ordinance. Uh, this initiative would limit rent increases to 3% a year. Um, even if the tenant changes, it would be one of the most stringent rent control policies in the U.S. That is according to the Minnesota reformer. Uh, unlike the proposition in Minneapolis and many other states, the flat 3% is not tied to inflation, but it would allow the city to create a process for landlords to appeal rent limit in special circumstances. Wow. That is actually cheaper than inflation. 3% is still cheaper than inflation. So that's a great thing. There you go. Inflation's the uh, the sleeping giant that's coming for us all, as Joe Biden mentioned his speech overseas. Um, I do mm. want to also point out that um, just because public referendums or public initiatives may not work. You know, it's just one way to do it. Obviously, city councils can enact policies. I mean, we have public safety departments being created all over the U.S., depending on the city or the town and how right. they allocate those resources. And you also have just in police, um, within the police department policies that they can enact as well, such as making sure the people they hire actually have addresses in the place where they are working. Completely agree. All right. Also in Tucson, Arizona, this is an interesting development. Of course, Arizona, a strange, strange <laughs> state, to say the least. They have approved a uh, minimum wage initiative. Uh, so workers, obviously, we see strikes with the IATSE. That was the uh, union over here in uh, L.A., the the grip union, the people who make the lights work. And uh, basically, without them, we don't have any of the favorite shows that you love. They went on strike or threatened to go on strike and they won. They got the they got what they wanted or at least a fine compromise. Those things are amazing. And it's great to see, again, democracy in action in that way. This initiative in Arizona, in Tucson, would raise the city's minimum wage uh, from twelve fifteen to fifteen dollars an hour. However, that'll be by January 1st. 2025, Ooh. which I don't know. It's like, it, it, isn't that a little far away? Like four years to get an extra $2 and some cents? Uh, it's, I don't know. This it, one to me is like, it, it's a blessing, but then it's also like, yeah. oh, it's it's like a, a coupon that you can't spend for five years. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You can't use. It's the red tape of these bureaucrats showing itself, Ben. You know, it's yeah, like, oh, we're going to give you we're going to give you a raise in two years. Right. You know? I immediately right. think of uh, Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema giving the thumbs down on the fifteen dollar minimum wage at a right. federal level. It's almost like maybe she got in the ballot box and changed the 2003 to 2005. She was like, OK, <laughs> she just crossed now, it all out. Yeah. yeah. She's like, now it's yeah. fine. 2005. The initiative would also require the Labor Standards Department to survey low wage workers in Tucson. And they're going to have to do that by December 2022. So they're going to do a survey, but um, I can save them a bunch of money. Like they, they hate, they're not happy. Mm. <laughs> That's, I don't know, like wow. we should do a, we need to do a survey before we can help solve the problems that these people are complaining about. Let's do a survey. <laughs> it's like the survey is in the constant ranting every day <laughs> from the people who are not making ends meet as they work 40, 50 hours a week. It ain't right. Tell right, me you're right. a politician from Arizona without saying, I'm a politician <laughs> from Arizona. <laughs> right. On a level of one to five, how much are you tired of ranting about this issue? <laughs> exactly. So a couple of good things there. Um, although, again, the Arizona is so uh, you take that with the with the grain of Arizona courts. Oh, that's very pretty. Thank you. Detroit, Michigan. Uh, Detroit, Michigan has passed. I love it, man. Mushrooms are going crazy, dude. Everyone's <laughs> about to get real happy with psilocybin. <laughs> They've decided to decriminalize. And can you explain what is this? Entheogenic plants. Plants? Is that what mushrooms are? <laughs> yes. How do you it, say ben. the word? You're smart. <laughs> entheogenic. You had, entheogenic. You had it, you had it Ben. So. Anyway, those are mushrooms, magic yeah. mushrooms. Those are called entheogenic. So I think uh, <laughs> like, you know, peyote, psilocybin, anything that that is naturally occurring that also causes a hallucinogenics. You know. OK, so there you go. Um, it wow. is decriminalized in Detroit, Michigan. And again, 
people might hear that and you make your jokes and you're like, whoa, okay, now you can be tripping. I had a couple of mushroom caps on Halloween. I'll tell you what, I became a cat. I felt whoa. like Garfield by the end of it. He's, I was he's dressed James like Garfield. Garfield. <laughs> yep. That's what I'm going to go as next year. I'm going to go as Garfield with that costume, but with a bullet wound because James Garfield yeah. was shot. And then I'm going to be <laughs> James Garfield. Be wow. Anyway. So good. Uh, it's a pun. <laughs> um, you get it. I'm all for this because, again, this is step one in legalizing it for medicinal use, legalizing it for treat Absolutely. people with PTSD, treat people experiencing all, you know, headaches, migraines, all a plethora of ailments. Yep. And again, when it comes to criminal justice reform, mm-hmm. uh, these cops don't need to be taken you know, mushrooms out of the kids' pockets as they go to see ICP or Eminem or Kid Rock. Those are three people that I know from Detroit. <laughs> Those Man, are good that choices. Would be, that would be a trifecta of a show. Oh, my God. Ooh, I would yeah. need mushrooms just to handle oh, the yeah. amount of just <laughs> yes. power. In that. I would need mushrooms. I would need, like, so much body armor. <laughs> <laughs> well, so keep in they, mind, oh, sorry, Michigan no, is um, a fully legal marijuana state. They're one of the earlier states to go in on medical marijuana. They did it right. They went full legal marijuana. So this step kind of continues on that path that Oregon's on. It is kind of funny that they did. I mean, the, the idea that marijuana is a gateway drug is a total lie, complete Obviously. misnomer. But from a a law perspective, oh, truly. it sort of has <laughs> yeah, been yeah. the gateway drug, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah, right. yeah. You know, so I, I especially when you see pictures of Detroit, Michigan and stuff, it doesn't look like a very great place. So the more money, hey man, you say that Detroit, it's a beautiful downtown. We were just in Detroit. I only got into one verbal altercation with somebody, um, which was pretty good for me. And uh, I will say this. It is a beautiful downtown area. But yes, they are economically. The, the, they're, they're the metal are, industry the yes. disenfranchisement that happened when the metal industry left. Absolutely. You know, completely. So more money coming to Detroit, more people wanting to move just to get high. I'm all for it. Bring money to the city. Bring money to those schools. Hell yeah. Yay, Detroit. All Woo. right. And in uh, in Detroit, again, uh, they also passed a city reparations. Yes. So this is uh, this is interesting. Um, Detroit will be one of the first cities to add it to the ballot when it comes to reparations. Voters will decide on a personal on a proposal rather to form a reparations committee with the power to make recommendations for housing and economic development programs that address historically discriminated against folks such as the black community in Detroit. Um, So this has passed. This is according to Detroit City Council President Pro Tem Mary Sheffield. Uh, She spearheaded this resolution. She says, ultimately, this is about repairing the damage done to the African-American community and leveling the playing field so the aggrieved have an equal and real opportunity for success and a better quality of life. I don't agree with the narrative or the term of leveling. I think we should build up. Everyone should just be built up Mm -hmm. and then everyone Mm -hmm. can have, um, you know, the right yeah, I don't the, want the anyone same chances. No, I don't want anyone brought down. Yeah. I want everyone to have the exact mm-hmm. same chances to fail miserably. Um, <laughs> that's right. the American dream. That's the truly the American way, man. <laughs> Not even the dream, the way of America. All <laughs> right. So anyway, just a few ballot initiatives that uh, are always fascinating. And as we said before, um, they're just uh, they're the best way to figure out what does your population want? Let them know. Let them vote. Yeah. Yes or no. And you kind of get to be a little judge and you get to be a, like, I love voting yes or no. It's super fun. Just just reading these made me excited about the direction, at least, you know, the direction our public uh, public sentiments are going and the way the public. I love it. Everyone it looks like we're trying to help people. We're there's a to, lot of good initiatives. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Love it. No, anytime a state legislature or a city council or a county commissioner board is dragging their feet. This is the way the initiative process to get it right in front of the voters. Sometimes the language is tricky. You guys pointed that out. A lot mm. of initiatives fail just because of a single word. Or, it's vague. Yeah. It's very vague. But once you get it right, it's right for at least most of the voters. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and Sirius XM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and Sirius XM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. 
I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to, without a doubt, the biggest story of the week. Glenn Youngkin. He is the governor in wait in Virginia. Also, uh, this this gal, Winsome Sears, uh, she is a Republican. She defeated Democrat Hala Ayla in the Virginia's lieutenant governor race. Now, Sears is the first black woman to be elected to statewide office in Virginia, which is kind of crazy. The first. 2021, I guess, okay. Um, it, is, it is Virginia. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is, but it's, it's right by Washington, D.C. I mean, I, well, right. <laughs> you answered your own question. Then, yeah, right? never mind. And uh, Sears, she is a former U.S. Marine, former vice president of, of the Virginia State Board of Education, and a former director of the Women's Homeless Shelter. Her campaign sought to create more jobs, lower taxes, and strengthen the state's schools. Now, this is, again, for many Democrats, probably not exactly what they wanted. But, of course, uh, I would be hypocritical if I did not you know, comment on the fact that representation matters and uh, good, good for her. And another big victory for the Republican Party was uh, Attorney General Jason Myers. Uh, he was able to win as well. So it was really a trifecta when it comes to Yunkin Sears. And my ears. Sounds like a law firm. Wow. All right. Fantastic. But you were pointing out this uh, earlier, Travis. So apparently most states have their attorney general and lieutenant governor have those tied. But in this case, theoretically, you could have a lieutenant governor. And again, we're talking about in Virginia. You could have a lieutenant governor who's a Democrat or Republican, and it could be the opposite for the AG. Right. AG, lieutenant governor and governor are all separate. Usually lieutenant governor and governor, at least here in Ohio, um, are tied together. You vote for the ticket. But in Virginia, they're separate. Another thing that Virginia does is they only do one four year term for the governor. Uh, So Terry McAuliffe was elected in 2013 um, and then he served his term. Ralph Northam served 2017. And then Terry McAuliffe can only run again because he has uh, another governor served in between those terms. Right. Okay. Interesting. So let's talk a little bit about what this means now for the aforementioned Terry McAuliffe. Obviously, his career is over. I think that that's safe to say. The man was expected to win this and the fact that Mm -hmm. he did not win this and what it means, again, for the macro picture for American politics going forward. He did not do his job very well. So I think that is safe to say that this is now the year Yunkin and McAuliffe is... uh, off to, um, I don't know, jump off the mountain like the elderly people had to do in that fantastic film, Midsommar. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. Well, that movie's been out for a long time. So Glenn Youngkin, uh, this is what he had to say. He says, together we will change the trajectory of this commonwealth. And friends, we're going to start that transformation on day one. We can build a new day. A new day for Virginians where, yes, we soar and we never settle. So there you go. Some platitudes. If you are a Democrat out there, I do want to um, give a little bit. uh, There's a small consolation in that the government or the House is still ran by Democrats Mm, and the state house is still ran by Democrats in Virginia. So it's not exactly as if Youngkin can just, you know, say what he wants to do and then magically, boom, it happens. Uh, Politics will be a play. And the big reason why Youngkin was able to win is because of those beautiful white women. 15 percent increase, 15 percent increase in voting for Republican as opposed to Joe Biden. And I think it's another reminder for a the Republican Party and B the Democratic Party Mm -hmm. that Trump is a double edged sword. Mm. And the fact that uh, women came back to the Republican Party after leaving because Donald Trump was just so fucking disgusting shows you how the fluidity of the American voter and how just unbelievably amorphous these situations are and how unique every election is. I think a lot of people thought Youngkin even sniffed around Donald Trump's, you know, supporters. Right. And of course, Donald Trump did Youngkin a big favor by saying, go out and vote, because a couple of weeks later, he said or earlier, right. he said, don't vote because it right. doesn't work. <laughs> so he kind of towed this line. But it also showed you don't need to have Donald Trump's full throated support and you don't need to echo 
everything that he says to win in, in a race in a purple state. He didn't renounce him either, which is key. The whole thing. He didn't, he didn't say denounce, he, didn't say, he did know. this. Yes, he, he did. Didn't. Technically, I suppose, fairly decent uh, politicking when it came to supporting, not supporting. I mean, what do you think about that, Travis? What do you what do you think this means for the role of Donald Trump going forward, because obviously he is claiming victory. Of course. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. and to some degree, without the support, again, of these suburban mm, white ladies. Right, right. And without the support of Trumpers, Yunkin went to one. Mm-hmm. So I guess there is some truth to it. But how much do you think it really I- impacted? How much do you think tr- Donald Trump saying go out there and vote really moved the needle? Well, it certainly might have moved the needle for any hardcore supporters of his who were still on the fence about supporting a possible rhino. You know, maybe Yunkin wasn't Trumpy right. enough. Again, what has been outlined here with Yunkin's win is, like you mentioned, a perfect formula for a Republican or certainly moderate Republicans running in 2022 to kind of do that dance of hello, wink, wink, nod, nod. We do need more election integrity and reform to the Trumpers. But then going over to the uh, certainly in Virginia, the case was education, as you pointed out last week on our show pre-election, Ben. Um, I honestly think it wasn't just white women. It was suburb parents. This mm-hmm. was a local election, as we've talked about before, where mm-hmm. school board elections were more and more important than ever. So you Absolutely. got everyone, all these parents showing up to vote for school board because that's what they're concerned about. And then they're looking at the next races higher up on their voting ticket. And it's like, well, which one of these governor candidates is more pro-education? And you had Terry McAuliffe going around with Randy Weingarten, the, the president of American Federal uh, Federation of Teachers. Um, and of course, Northam, the Democrat, had the schools shut down for months and months in Virginia. Parents were already very upset about that. Right, right. Then you throw in the Loudoun County bombshell that you yes, brought up last horrible. week. Then you bring up CRT, which is just no one knows what it is, but they know they're scared no of it critical and they don't race like theory. it. Yeah. So you throw in those three things. And I really think, you know, um, even Joe Biden said it's like the winner of Virginia will be determined by who shows up and who showed up. It was scared parents in Virginia. And that's an incredible blueprint for the Republicans to potentially use in 2022. It really is an, an, an interesting turn of events that education, theoretically a Democratic, a Democrat winner. The yes. Republican Party has now taken education mm. and they are winning the narrative, which mm, is uh, right. that's unique uh, for the Republican Party. Also, I have to clarify, Democrats still have control over the House of Delegates in Virginia. However, Republicans have claimed that they won back the majority. However, that has not yet been uh, called. Still too close to call. Regardless, uh, the Senate is narrowly controlled by the Democrats. So the House of the House of Delegates is 50-50 right now at best. Perhaps Republicans take a small lead there. Um, But the Senate is still controlled by the Democrats. So, again, it's not going to be a cakewalk for Yunkin. And I know there's a lot of people concerned when it comes to what we see in Texas, uh, other states, when it comes to the abortion ban and those sorts of things. I really hope the Supreme Court can help put some of those things to rest um, because it's a... we, we shouldn't be playing political football with people's reproductive rights every single election cycle. We just have to have some things in this country. And I think, again, as we've talked about the Fourth Amendment, the right to privacy, I don't see how the Supreme Court doesn't say, yep, that stands. We need that. And also this bounty system that has been created, total violation of your Fourth Amendment and just a complete and utter unbelievably dangerous precedent to have. Talk about not making your country or your state safer. Good Lord, put bounties on people's heads. Do you think, you know, we talked about Trump, how he may have affected this election. What about Biden? Do you think him not like slumping and everything affected the Democrats there? Oh, yes. Well, you say slumping and he did appear to fall asleep during a climate speech. And it really is quite (laughs) horrendous. I mean, he's Uh, he's, uh, 78 years old. Obviously, we know that. Um, and we know what happened, what had to happen in 2020, but it doesn't seem as if Biden is really, um, he is a, it's, is it's, it seems more and more that it is solidifying in my mind that he is a placeholder president, right? Right. Yes. This man is Ford-esque. I mean, it's just sort of like, okay, I'm here. I'm a figurehead (laughs) for the, for, uh, you know, not being Donald Trump, but I'm just not sure how he's, uh, 
How is he really doing over there? Of course, we have the difference of him falling asleep and Donald Trump talking way too much when he went overseas. So <laughs> right, we right. need to find someone right in the middle who's awake, but like silent. Yes, a good old Calvin Coolidge. That's a good old Calvin Coolidge. <laughs> Someone paint eyeballs on his eyelids. <laughs> sure, that would work. <laughs> well, I, I do want to, because Fernando hit on an important point that even Terry McAuliffe, for the weeks going in, he was like, his success was tied to the Senate. His success was tied to what was happening with the uh, infrastructure bill and the reconciliation bill. And he said that many times, and even Durbin and Blumenthal and all those uh, senators, Democratic senators, came out today and said, we should have got it done. I mean, the message yep. is clear. Democrats aren't going to show up unless you give them something to be excited to show up for. Absolutely. And that's certainly mm -hmm. the case with McAuliffe. And absolutely. And it could not be, again, at worst. It is what it is. But it's horrible timing for all of this stuff to be going on. Yeah. They can't get the reconciliation bill passed. I mean, now we can't now we're not even now we're sniffing around a one point seven five trillion dollar mm. uh, reconciliation bill or just budget in general. And that is even now having a lot of blowback and mm. pushback by the Joe Manchins of the world. So, yeah, I people need to see results. And if they don't, they quickly change um, their support. And again, Donald Trump being on the ballot in 2020, I think, does just alter realities because it really was. A, uh, in the binary choice, uh, one of the only choices the American people found that they could make. So this is according to an NPR PBS NewsHour Marist poll. They surveyed just over a thousand people. And this was when it comes to Democrats. So this is a really bad sign for Biden. <laughs> um, his approval is plummeting. The Marist poll released on past Monday shows that 44 percent of registered voters approve of the job he's doing. Forty nine percent disapprove. And as we've talked about before on this show, Sadly, the human nature of politics, disapproval seems to scream louder than approval ratings, correct? Mm -hmm. Right, mm, right. Yeah, mm, yeah. Not just that. Of the Democrats, 44% uh, say that they want him to not run again in 2020. Oh, man. Another 35% say they wish it was somebody else. 50% of GOP uh, voters and uh, Republican-leading independents say that nominating the former president would give them their best chance at victory. And I think that Democrats see that. So I don't know what this means other than the Democratic Party better find themselves a new hero really freaking quick mm. because I don't know who they have. It's always like there's so many people in this country and the people that get loved by the dnc and you're just like how did they choose you what happened right but i don't know what this means i mean who do you does, do the who's the dems hope in the future travis well um i would just point out uh, you know i watched uh, cnn all last night and fox news all this morning so <laughs> oh, clearly no. i'm ready with a lot of opinions but <laughs> they did make a good point surprisingly uh, then 2009, again, you know, after a presidential election, Virginia and New Jersey kind of serve as these bellwethers as to where the midterms are going to go. And after 2008, Chris Christie won New Jersey. Now, obviously, we know that at this point, Phil Murphy has barely been reelected. Apparently, he's the only Democratic uh, governor to be reelected there since the 70s. All right. Um, so so even Phil Murphy. Even slimly, he he did pull that off. But certainly Virginia elected a, a Republican governor in 2009 before McAuliffe came in in 2013. So this is kind of par for the course after the Democrats win a presidential election. If Virginia and New Jersey have the next year, those tend to go Republican. But mm. this also means, Benjamin, mm -hmm. this also means that we have a Tea Party wave 2.0 coming 2010 style, oh. but it's coming in 2022 and it's going to be meaner, redder and crazier than ever based on everything we've seen in the last five years. Now, that's a strip club I'd like to go to. Well, <laughs> what do you think it's going to look like? I mean, because, you know, obviously we're looking now. This is the, we're in the death thralls, in my opinion, anyway, of QAnon. Uh, you know, these supporters, again, right. that just went to Dallas to go see JFK Jr. Um, where what is the new Tea Party? What is because? I think Q kind of had some of those aspects mm. of it, but then that got obviously bogged down in just batshit uh, ideology that made no sense. Again, hundreds of people went to go see JFK Jr. reappear after he was had been dead for 22 years. You imagine if he did and his just skin was falling off his body, like he's a, a big zombie, skeleton. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like there he is, he looks great. Well, look at him there, all thin and stuff. That's, that's a, what's that's your, your diet, president? Right? What's your diet? Worms. <laughs> oh, fun. Very fun. But what is the new Tea Party? What's it even called? 
Right. I, I mean, I think it's what we've been talking about kind of in the lead up post 2020, post January 6th are these Trump loyalists versus these non-Trump loyalists. And I think Yunkin plays this weird game of, again, like we pointed out, playing both sides, kind of dipping his toe in both of the pools. And then he has issues like education that can pull in your independence right. and that's your win strategy. We may be looking at, uh, you know, and obviously CNN, as soon as the Democrats lost, like their first reaction is, how do we blame progressives? And AOC? Oh, of course. It's just like, okay, I don't think it's, you know, one or the other. McAuliffe was think- not a progressive. Exactly. In fact, he, he edged out several progressives to get that nomination yeah. as just kind of the likable, sensible moderate. Um, but and how, has, how has the progressive, how have progressives lost the narrative on education? That is, to me, just really the biggest thing here in Virginia, that the Republican Party won education, which is just not normal. Right. I mean, and if you're a progressive living in Virginia, probably banging your head against the wall for that very reason. I mean, again, McAuliffe and the Northam combo from the last four to eight years, people didn't want to go backwards. You can't be Terry McAuliffe and saying we're not going backwards. And he's talking about Trump when it's like, well, you've already been governor. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And another indicator, again, of the so-called power structures within the Democratic Party, he, Terry McAuliffe, had Biden, he had Harris, he had Obama, he had everyone who is anyone in the Democratic Party. And let's not forget, again, Biden won Virginia handedly. Right. Yeah. So for them not to be able to bring in any votes really, I think, shows you a large enthusiasm gap between the Republicans and the Democrats, the enthusiasm on the side of the Republicans. I think uh, those those issues that we talked about last week and we've been talking about before, uh, you know, uh, forced vaccinations, uh, school mandates, do your yeah. kids have to go to school, and then identity politics, gender identity. They yes, really, and that Loudoun you know, County yeah, story really, really played on all of that. Exactly. All, oh, yeah. Every, every and single that was, thing fed into it. Absolutely. And that Loudoun County story, again, just so unbelievably sad and gross and you know, that man uh, who raped those two women and then the school board cover up. It really is a bad it's a bad look oh, for any school look. board. It's a bad yeah, look. No, all politics is local at the end of the yeah. day. And you mentioned it. Joe Biden won Loudoun County, I think, by the same 15 points. He won Virginia on the whole. Yeah. And then this time it flipped and and Yunkin won Loudoun County quite handedly. And it's also it's a little difficult to tell parents not to be involved in their children's education as they had to teach them at home over the past year. Absolutely. So the, parents yeah, are kind of exactly. like, well, you know what? I am a teacher. This so, guy, and now whether that be true or not. Right. But it, it really, it's um, the power of the female vote in situations of education. And again, that's why it's so surprising that the Democratic Party failed on the messaging of education. And that was something that these women took very, very seriously right? as they've been teaching their children for the past year. And mm-hmm. they didn't want to be told to stay out of it when they were forced to be very much in it. Right. Yeah. And obviously the question going forward is, can the Republicans fix it? Republicans have a reputation for, of screwing up education, certainly Absolutely. public education. So we will see if Mr. Yunkin, who has never run for public office or held public office before, this yes. is his, this was his first outing. He almost uh, like a, perhaps a Gary Johnson type. He's a successful businessman, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> mm. All right. So we will keep you up to date on what goes on in Virginia. Um, also, a little bit later on, maybe on next episode, but probably a little bit later, we'll talk about the Supreme Court as they continue to hear the uh, the Texas abortion bill and stuff. Before we go too far from this, is this a really bad omen for Democrats? It's like, not true, good. Right. But yeah, it's pretty you know, bad. Is it I a black it's swan, bad. though? Is it is it a black, you know, is it the derailment? No. Right. It's it's just right. scary. It's not a, a there's not a five alarm fire by any means. And maybe if Murphy had also lost. Yeah. But again, yeah. that's a razor thin margin. It, again, I just look at 2009. I think this is pretty par for the course. And you look at Terry McAuliffe and he's you don't even know if he can golf anymore. I mean, it's, <laughs> he just doesn't have it. So I don't I have to say um, when he gave his it wasn't a, a um, he didn't concede in the speech, but that stupid fucking dance he did. <laughs> he does like this. He looks like Elaine from Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know who told him that makes him look like a human. I just don't know. I just don't. Get it. That's a dance of a politician who's done running for life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God.
I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So as we mentioned, yeah, this uh, the insanity continues in the country, specifically in this case in Texas, in Dealey Plaza. Uh, JFK Jr., he died in a plane crash in 1999. Hundreds of QAnon uh, adherents went to go see him speak. But alas, alas, he did not show up. So... At some point, they're going to have to die. Uh, and I'm sorry, not die. They're going to have to meet the, the Q and not, Q will have to die at some point as all of these proclamations refuse to come true. But supporters of QAnon gathered in Dallas. Also, they believe they were going to see other dead celebrities, including Kobe Bryant. Oh, no. And Robin, I wish they were right. Uh, Man, I right, wish Q was right. true. I wish like, it was right. This I wish it was real. Opened up and and every, everyone pours out and be like, hey, we're here. It's yeah, great. Kobe back. You know, he can help out because he was doing so much good work for uh, female sports, especially Robin Williams. It would be great to have Robin right. back. You know, Mental you can do health, his- all of it. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, by late afternoon, it be- became clear he's not going to be making his return. Um, so then the QAnon adherents accused those who showed up of believing wrong influencers uh, and being gullible. Oh, <laughs> so, like, so they just turned on themselves. Just <laughs> yeah. That's always they're what all, happens. They're all mad at each other. According to Jared Holt, he's a researcher at the Atlantic's Digital Forensic Lab. He says this. He says, for people to be in the state of mind where they utterly and hopelessly detach from reality opens up very dangerous possibilities mm-hmm. for what mm-hmm. that individual may do going forward. Uh, um, and I think it's safe to say it is bonkers to think that JFK Jr. is still alive. And it is more bonkers in some ways to think if he was still alive, he would support Donald Trump. <laughs> right. Uh, you're you're the cult expert here, Ben. Do cults survive like after the date passes? And they, Well, nothing? religious ones do. Mm. There's always. Yeah, it's the biggest doomsday cult mistake you can make. You yeah, got to go right, like right. hundreds of years <laughs> in the future. You got to <laughs> right, give yourself right. a lot of time to sell product. <laughs> But a lot right. of them are like 1999, 2012 was another one of those yeah, years, of return course. of quantum acquittal. Yeah. 2000 was one of those years where it was like tied to religion with the ridiculous, mm-hmm. you know, um, the Internet's going to explode. Oh, it wouldn't have been nice if it did. <laughs> oh, wow. I need the Internet, please. But no, I don't know, because now they just say, oh, this is going to fulfill another prophecy. Yeah, I'm saying, how does it lie? Like, no, I, I mean. they all seem to have they have to burn out one way or another. Hmm. And hmm. Uh, usually it's not a good demise cults don't tend to like just kind of dis well they disappear but sometimes they bring a lot of people with them mm. <laughs> yeah. anyway so if anyone was there in uh, in the dealey plaza let me know what you thought about uh having your city invaded with some of the most what if fun psychos out there what if he showed up what if he did show up he saw who was gathered for him and then he like just and you know, yeah. like skip the blind date kind of thing. Like you know, it's a no show for me after all. It's possible. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And I will say, I've been to Dealey Plaza uh, once before on the 50th anniversary of the JFK assassination in 2013, and I really think Dallas is used to a lot of crazy people showing up to Dealey. That Plaza. is true. <laughs> so yeah. Henry I, I, Marcus I, and I got honked at like a whole bunch. We're like, that was it, because you stand on the axe, and then you're like, I'm the president. Yeah. You guys shot. <laughs> That's the thing. I remember Marcus and I talking about it. Uh, it's much smaller than I thought. You just look at where the shooters could have been you'd be like oh yeah that that was very easy very easy shot it's it's also going down the hill it's just like shoot me please god <laughs> yeah, yeah. i'm open I'm have you open. seen dealey plaza no i haven't been there but i so, you know yeah. it's like they may have well named the library sniper's nest <laughs> yeah it is yeah, so yeah. perfect it wasn't good when you went down there though and cosplayed as uh as the fella there who shot 
JFK. <laughs> what was his name again? Lee Harvey Oswald. Lee Harvey Oswald. Big if true. His <laughs> name was Badge Man, and he was on the grassy knoll. We don't know his real name. <laughs> well, a lot, of, a lot of speculation, <laughs> perhaps a hungover, um, see, uh, hungover right. Secret Service agent, yeah, perhaps yeah. as well. Which that's a rough day. I have a hangover and I'm late to the show, which happened today because uh, I went to go see Deer Tick yesterday. Oh, they were really oh, good. They were a really happened. good band. That's what happened after you called me about how excited you were about the elections. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but of course, um, it is a bit different when dealing with um, having your brain blown out when you're president. Oh, no. Yeah. That's the worst hangover of all. All right. <laughs> well, just uh, just one of our final stories here. This porn star, we're, we are actively um, following this story of this porn star who revealed her buttocks at the Kremlin. And she has now been incarcerated for two for two weeks, 14 days. She's a 20-year-old actress, film actress. Her name is Rita Fox. And she has been punished for petty hooliganism because she showed her tuchus outside the Kremlin, which apparently you can't do. It's a very fantastic butt. And I think that she should be allowed to show it anywhere. So come on. <sighs> come on there, Vladimir. Let this woman out. What's wrong with some tushy around the Kremlin? She told her Telegram followers she's been in prison for 14 days. And she says, I've been punished for petty hooliganism, according to my sentence. So they have not yet to confirm their arrest. Apparently, the Kremlin has been the site of a lot of X-rated pranks. And I guess they said they've had enough of it. I, I'm I'm not trying to be a fun police here. I love to have fun. I love I love big sure. butts. Yeah, sounds like but you're about to be the fun guy, police. Yeah, but I am about to be a fun police. <laughs> where do we draw the line, Ben? What where are you talking do, about? Where do we draw the line? Everyone should be naked. You can be naked whenever you want to be. Oh, you're right. I guess you're right. She's you're just right. got a big old booty. She just showed <laughs> her butt. Yeah, that's that's where Ben draws the line. <laughs> Most cities draw the line at um, below the waist. Uh, I I know she was wearing a thong. She was, she, you know. Well, then there's Russia. So that's, <laughs> that's Russia. our those, those are our boundaries right now. Apparently, there's a lot of photos of models simulating sex and stuff like that. And then I guess they just said they've had enough. So no more showing your butt or boobs at the Kremlin, which I actually think would be something that Vladimir would like. But who knows the sex life of Vladimir Putin? It is very possible he lives a Roy Cohen like existence <laughs> i could totally see it i could see i could see putin being a power bottom oh, oh, power powerful. bottom power top uh, uh, it might just be i bet you he just does everything who knows uh, mm. know. he does love riding them horses he does <laughs> oh, yeah he does mm. he does and just lastly eric adams he defeated curtis lewa he is now the mayor of new york city and his his reign is starting off. Of course, Eric Adams, he um, defeated me soundly yes. when I ran for Brooklyn Borough President. <laughs> However, the man is half a scumbag and mm -hmm. uh, the scandals that will be coming out over these next four years, they're going to be economic scandals. It's going to be a little bit boring, but he's greased a lot of wheels and uh, Brooklyn politics can get a little bit mucky. Right. And mm -hmm. he certainly was the king of Brooklyn politics. Just starting off his his new life as mayor of New York in a very strange way. I guess mayor elect, right? You've got a little time here left. Yes. So one of the things when he was Brooklyn Borough President was no one knew where he lived, you know? And people were like, Do you live in Brooklyn? He's like, I live in Brooklyn. I got a brownstone, but then like no one ever saw him there. <laughs> but apparently people did see him there at 418 this past Tuesday morning. Eric Adams pulls up in his car, right? Outside of his residence, but then he parks the car outside of a business that has a garage that has trucks that need to go in and out of it in order oh to God. service, you know, the business <laughs> and the people of the community. So he parks his car there. He gets it towed just a couple of feet, right? So they tow it a couple of feet, which is very polite because everybody else gets their car I mean, towed, yeah, towed. By car. Yeah. And then you have to, uh, as my friend Mike Epps had his car towed and he just said, keep it because it was $1,200 to get it back and oh the car was worth gosh. about 500 bucks. So, oh. they, they, you know, they, New York City gets a lot of cars like that. So it was towed just enough so that the business could get trucks in and out. And then he woke up. Apparently, he took a little nap. Then it is said by reporters who were now, you know, kind of, I, I guess, having a stakeout. Yeah, they're watching it develop. They're watching the house, right? <laughs> Uh, this is what one reporter said. He said, either way, once he went inside, things got slightly weird. The Prius, it seemed, this is his car, was illegally parked in front of an active garage for a plumbing supply company, which quickly became a problem for the trucks attempting to enter the supply company. <laughs> they were soon backed up all the way down Lafayette Avenue, causing a bona fide pileup while Adams slept. <laughs> Not oh a good look. By <laughs> 8 a.m., a forklift arrived and Adams' car was towed a few feet away so everything could keep on moving. Now... 
this is what's interesting. One of the seven reporters uh, then came up for a shift change. So apparently the reporters are just taking like, <laughs> it's a lot being mayor, right? Yeah. And then they witnessed something very strange. So they say, uh, Willie arrived just as, J- Willie is the name of the reporter. Willie arrived just in time to see Adams, definitively Adams, leave his apartment, climb into his car from the passenger side, shimmy into the driver's seat, then drive the car onto the sidewalk. Then he drove on the sidewalk until he was past a car jam, and then he turned right on Stevenson. <laughs> so he's like, you know... Uh, this, oh my god anyway so he's just a psycho when it comes to that so this is what adams told uh curbed magazine he says i get home late and i drove around my neighborhood several times looking for parking like so many new yorkers do and i thought i would be out of the i, I thought i'd be out of the house early enough to move my car before the business opened there's no excuse for it in reflection i should have just rode my bike Oh. oh my gosh! <laughs> Good grief! That was oh. that was going to be my first question: is if he lives in this neighborhood, he should know not to park in this spot. But no, but well, one him, of the scandals that he had in in um, in downtown Brooklyn, right? Yes. he unfurled. What was this? How big was it? Fifty yeah. by hundred feet? The freaking massive massive billboard that he put outside of city hall and then yeah. he was forced to take it down because everyone's like a, what are you doing it was a picture of himself yes that he, <laughs> they put a giant and then don't forget ben uh our biggest campaign issue i believe he had what three to four permanent limo not limo drivers but drivers yes, on drivers at all times now we know why he can barely drive a car himself it's been <laughs> so long of course as we promised ben would have taken the subway to work just like a normal brooklyn person should Anyway, well, maybe one of these days, um, Eric Adams politically on the rise. And as we talked about, if he is like the future of the Democratic Party, I just don't know. He's a former cop. Mm-hmm. He is a uh, he's a moderate. He really is a moderate. Very pro cop. As from uh, yes, what I see. he yeah. is. Uh, and I do believe he will be better than de Blasio. Anyone will be better than well, Bill de Blasio. He was- Bill de Blasio like to sleep in, too. So Eric, Adams, <laughs> he's got him beat. <laughs> He's got him beat. At least Eric Adams was up early. Um, anyway. Yeah, last point on this, Ben. I know it's kind of a sports analogy, right? You know, in the playoffs, you always want to lose to the team that eventually becomes the champs. And yeah. congratulations, Ben. You have done that. And double congratulations because the guy who beat you and is now mayor, he knows how to party even harder than you. So there you go. <laughs> Apparently he does. Okay, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will be back a little bit later on this week. Uh, we Perhaps we'll talk about what's going on uh, a little bit with the border and um Man, there's just so much stuff that is not going great that we will have to discuss, Mm -hmm. and we shall. So hopefully you guys learned a little bit uh, today about those initiatives. I know the ballot initiatives, I wish people would talk about them more, because I think they're very interesting. So that's why we did it. Yay. Yay, be the change you want to see. And congratulations again, Sarah Luciano, the banger Uh, school committee. You're an inspiration to us all, Sarah. Absolutely. Okay, everyone. Thank you for listening. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus Trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated.